Rich Eisen. Yeah, it's Carl Mecklenburg. What's up? This is Ty Lawson. This is Jordan Hamilton from the Denver Nuggets, and you're listening to Colorado Sports Guys Podcast. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Timmons and Ross Martin. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, wherever, whenever you are listening to this podcast. We are happy that you do. want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and uh, let you know that I am Ross Martin. And this is the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. And per usual, Mr. Ankle Socks is himself. Nate Timmons is here. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs? Happy Hanukkah to everybody. Kwanzaa, Festivus, for the rest of us, whatever you're, whatever you're doing. Very inclusive. What's up, everybody that loves to eat honey-baked ham? What? Who likes to eat honey-baked ham? This guy. Love it. It's ridiculous. I'd cover myself in it, run through a field. <laughs> you cover yourself in honey-baked ham? Oh, yeah. And then run through the field? Fields. I love it. All the fields. Let's remind everybody, Nate Timmons, before we get into this very, very special Christmas edition of the Colorado Sports Guys, that we'd like to remind everyone to check out coloradosportsguys.com for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and our Amazon.com affiliate link. If you go to coloradosportsguys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page each time you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. And... By the way, friends, there's still time to do some last-minute Christmas shopping. And if you want to do Christmas shopping and stay out of the malls, I recommend you do it on Amazon. And I recommend you click through the ColoradoSportsGuys.com link first. But only a day or two left. And you don't even have to go out and drive in this stupid snow that's coming. Oh, stupid snow. You have to do, eh, whatever. It's probably pretty dumb. Right? I, love the, I love the snow. I didn't say I didn't like it. I just called it stupid. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. There's a distinction. There's a distinction. I ate a whole bunch of snow. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, show at coloradosportsguys.com, or use our phone number, 720-722-1274, to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. Now, as promised, we are going to announce the winners of our little ticket giveaway here. Little? Little. You call tickets I to mean, a meaningful game to secure the number two seed? Little? I, Are you nuts? You're right. You're right. I meant big. Big thing. Now, I... Oh, Jesus. Here's the deal. I, I, am, I am ashamed. I am ashamed and I'm disappointed in myself because I made a huge, huge mistake. Now, here's the deal. I... I I tend to find reasons why when I make mistakes, I tend to find ways to blame it on other people. And you, Nate Timmons. the American way. You, Nate Timmons, are the one that I am blaming tonight for this. (laughs) And this is actually pretty legitimate. It's it's not just me making up something. Now, what day is this that that we're recording? Uh, Today would be the 19th. It's Wednesday, It it is a Wednesday, correct. And what day do we normally record? Oh, God. What day do we normally record? Uh, Tuesdays. Tuesdays, yes. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, you know, I don't know, several, a few hours before our normal recording time of roughly 6 p.m. on a Tuesday evening, do, do I get this message from you? 
Ross. I, I, I didn't realize the Nuggets were playing at home on Tuesday, and I'd like to go to that game, so we're going to have to adjust our schedule for the week. And, and me being the flexible guy that I am, I say, Gymnast no, for eight years? No, no worries, dude. No, wor- no worries, bruh. I, I'm with you. We'll do that. It's because you went to Boulder. You're used to rolling with things. You're used to that hippie lifestyle. Now, well, you, don't, here, you don't run off a clock. You don't run off a calendar. Well, yeah, but here's my question. And, 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 I, and I, might, I, might be, I might be stupid. I, I, I don't follow the Nuggets like you do, right? I don't know, understand. Maybe I don't understand how the scheduling works. Now, did the, the, the Nuggets schedule this game on Tuesday night at home, like uh, on Monday of yeah, this week or on Tuesday? It's or week to week. It did, varies. Oh, they, oh that's yeah. how it works. Unlike the NFL where you have to watch the Titans and the Jets on Monday night, the NBA flexes things on a oh, weekly okay. basis. Okay, so you had no idea this game was happening on a Tuesday night. Say in September. No, they could have been in, in Miami. They, they could have been in Toronto. Oh, okay, see, I I didn't realize. They could have been in Vancouver I to just, face the old Grizzlies. I just assumed like every other sporting, uh, prof- or not even professional, but any sports league that Little they league. schedule these games sometimes months in advance. Peewee. So uh, I guess that's my fault because you know the NBA is very unique in the fact that they schedule things day of. They're hip. So, they're yeah, happening. They had no idea that this game was happening in Denver that night and you just found out yesterday afternoon and therefore had to reschedule. It's kind of weird because uh, about a month ago I sent out a, an, uh, an invitation, a calendar invite, as, as professionals do in this world, as they schedule things ahead of time using a calendar invite. I, I never knew, get these invites. And I knew I was supposed to be – I was going to be out of pocket the first week of January – and therefore, we're going to have to record on a Monday night instead of a Tuesday night. So I sent a calendar invite to you and Jeff saying, hey, guys, just so you know, in January, some 45, 60 days from now, I'm not going to be available to do this on a Tuesday. So can we do it on a Monday? And both of you guys were like, yes, we can. But, but I guess the NBA schedules things differently. They do, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. That, that makes more sense. It does. So – my ignorance about how the NBA schedules their games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I didn't know. It was kind of like a, every morning you wake up to find out where a team's going to be playing. When, where, why. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're going to be playing a different sport that day. You the know? five W's. Yeah. You show up it's, with gym shorts and shoes, and you find <laughs> out what you're going to be playing. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Maybe, they're, maybe the Nuggets are going to be bowling that night in Louisville as opposed to playing basketball on a Tuesday night. Do you know there's actually a rec league in Aurora that does that? You show up with gym shorts and shoes, and you play like one of four games, but you don't know until you get there. Oh, same thing as the NBA. Yeah. yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. So here's the deal. So we've That's been how Andrew having... Bynum hurt his knee. He oh, showed up and oh. went bowling. and See, it all comes together. Yeah. With yeah. This, uh, this person, Andrew Bynum, not you, who... Not sure who that person is. No, no. <laughs> Maybe a basketball player and or a professional bowler. Don't know. Don't not ask sure. me. Not ask, sure. Ask the NBA expert over there who's not familiar with uh, scheduling practices in the NBA. Very familiar. But uh, so we have had this competition going on now for a couple months. And this, this is actually, uh, scheduling aside, this is my fault. But the reason why I'm unprepared tonight is because of you, Nate Timmons. So what happened was we have been collecting these. We've had people leaving us voicemails with their compelling argument on why they should win these Broncos tickets for the Bears game in this Browns upcoming, game. What did I say? Bears. I meant Browns. <laughs> Clearly, I said Browns. We can reverse it. I'm sure I said. Started I, with I'm a sure B. I said Browns. But anyway, we've had this competition ongoing now for some time. And what are you doing? 
Just looking at that watch. <laughs> focus. Focus. Very confusing. Please, please focus. Very odd. You know what? We're doing a podcast here. I'm just trying to figure out what, what, what you've come up with here. Well, here's what happened. So <laughs> we, we have had these, uh, these voicemails coming in. And uh, you and I, we've been listening to these voicemails, and we've been deciding kind of who should win this, these two tickets. And what happened yesterday was that I was at the office, and fully planning on recording the podcast that evening. Supposedly. I downloaded these voicemails, and the whole plan was we were going to play the voicemails and then announce who, who won these tickets. And, of course, we're going to announce who won, but me, being the idiot that I am, I put these onto a thumb drive, somehow deleted them from our online voicemail system, and then left the thumb drive at work today but granted, I thought, you know, I was doing this yesterday. Now it's Wednesday. So I left these stupid audio <laughs> files at the office, and it's a full two blocks away. And I just didn't realize that until today. So guess what, everybody? No, we're not going to be listening to these voicemails, and they were great. And you know what, Nate? As much as I blame you for this because of your lack of ability to foresee the future and see that you might be attending a Nuggets game as a person who covers the Nuggets in yes. Denver. In your defense, the Nuggets haven't had very many home games. And so maybe... They jump up on your Ross. So you never know when I, they're coming. I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, yesterday if we recorded at, per use, I would have had these files, but I didn't. I didn't bring them here. And two blocks away is too far to walk in this cold, cold weather. And on top of can that, can you get I, into your building that for hours? I don't think you oh, can. Oh yeah, twenty four by seven, three sixty five, man. Okay, no big deal. But here's the <laughs> deal: we're going to announce the winners. Now we had a lot of great voicemails, excellent voicemails, very compelling arguments. You keep saying now. That. Here's here <laughs> here are the winners, and, and I already contacted them today, and I actually already uh, overnighted them to them, so they're getting the tickets here tomorrow. And uh, and here's the the cool part about it: most of the voicemails we received had. Great, compelling arguments. But we happened to receive two voicemails from two different people. So we were able to award these tickets to two different people. Even though we had one pair of tickets that were going out, we had the ability to send out two listeners the tickets. And here's what happened. We got one voicemail from a gentleman named Ryan. Ryan called in, and this, and the gist of his uh, voicemail was, Hey, Colorado sports guys. Been listening to your show since the beginning. I love it. Let me tell you why you should give me your tickets. My best friend in the world has season tickets to the Broncos, and my birthday is on December 23rd. And before the season started, he promised me the tickets, and I was planning on going to this. And then somehow he forgot and ended up giving these tickets, this pair of tickets, to a friend Sounds like me. Or no, excuse me, to his brother. This this guy uh, Ryan's friend gave him to his brother, and now Ryan, who was planning on going to this game the whole season, finds out a couple weeks ago that he can't go anymore, and so he was like, "Give me the tickets." And I say, "That's pretty good. I mean, it's not a great, compelling argument, and uh, by no means did he earn these tickets on his own." And I highly doubt he's listening to our show from the beginning as well. Maybe. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, he didn't prove <laughs> it. But, but now here was another voicemail we got. Now, apparently people listen to this as friends, right? 
another yeah, person older calls buddy's him, hand while you're and listening. his uh, name is Kevin. Kevin calls us and says, Colorado Sports Guys, listen, love your show. I've been listening to it forever since the beginning. He said kind of similar stuff. Oh, we, goes, know, we know Kevin from Twitter a little bit as well. He's, he's sent us a couple. Is it the same Kevin? had a Kevin. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if these guys are on Twitter or not. But he said, here's the deal. I promised my best friend, I promised to take my best friend to the Browns game on his birthday, and then I forgot, and I gave my tickets away to my brother. And so now, please, please, Help me out and hook me up with some tickets so I can take my best friend to the game. Do their voices now, sound really it, similar? They were not similar, no. <laughs> okay. And I actually contacted each one of them individually like a, like a journalist would do. And I said, are you guys connected here? And do you know uh, Kevin and do you know Ryan and all this stuff? In this day and, and age, and I'm not sure there's a journalist that would do that. <laughs> that's a good so point. You went above and beyond. Now, it turns out that these guys separately called in. And what was funny was that it was Ryan – who called in and said, "Give me the tickets so I can go and not go with not bring Kevin." He's like, "I'm going to bring another friend just to stick it to him because <laughs> uh, he screwed me over and he promised me these tickets." And then Kevin calls in saying, "I please help me out. I need to make it up. I need to take my buddy to this game." So what we ended up doing was rewarding these tickets, one to Kevin and one to Ryan. We're going to force them and we're, they're going to be gonna go, buddies once yeah, again, and we're bringing them back together. And this was it was they a were cool on thing the outs. because we had you know something like forty fifty people call in and, and uh, leave these voicemails, but these two stuck out because I thought this has to be there's no way that the that this situation well I didn't think it was a setup for sure I do not believe that they had planned this and if they did then they deserved it even more <laughs> but I sent out two packages today. Overnight tickets, one ticket in each one. So hopefully, hopefully they it was legit, and these two friends will be reunited, and and we can bring them together in the Christmas spirit. So Kevin and Ryan, thank you so much. I wish I was, I wish I, we had it. And you know what? Maybe we'll play the audio next week or something if we can get it. But and if I, you guys I screwed it up, I downloaded it from our online voicemail system, and then somehow deleted it from the other thing. But anyway, Kevin and Ryan, Merry Christmas. Hope you guys can remain friends. And if and you guys uh, do, if you're, if you're really, if you're listening, do us a favor. Take a picture at the game. Maybe send it to us. We'll post it. Yeah, we'll get we it. We'll, that. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea. I asked people to do that when I was giving away my Mozgov Militia t-shirts. And yeah, I got about a 50% success rate of people that would actually take a photo of themselves with it. But I got a couple cool pictures of like, there's a guy that uh, took one on the Brooklyn Bridge in New York. And, and, you know, I had a shot of him with the jersey over the Brooklyn Bridge. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's reaching out. Sweet. Yeah. So, the Brooklyn but, Bridge. But I, I sent one to the Netherlands, and they did not send me a picture. And I, I begged them to send me a picture. I wanted a picture of the Mozgov Militia shirt in the Netherlands. It would have been awesome. See, and they didn't send it. It hurt me. That, Granted. That wounded me deeply. Yeah. It's all right. It was Kevin a life, big wound. Kevin Ryan, enjoy the game. Merry Christmas. And uh, thank you to everyone who uh, went out of their way to uh, uh, send us uh, to leave us those voicemails? Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, I'm I, you know what I feel really great about the situation that happened, and and uh, I feel happy that we were able to give these tickets to these these guys. Yeah, I wish I was going to be in town to go to that game. I'm going to be uh, up in the old Winter Park for the weekend, celebrating a little Xmas with the fam. Oh, she's so Xmas, yeah. huh? 
Christmas, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but, man, I want to watch that game, though, because that's going to be a good game. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a I little bit. I think it's going to be a great game. And, yeah, we may or may not talk about the Broncos. Who knows? They're going to be now, playing the strongest man in the NFL, Trent Richardson. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure he's, <laughs> he's cool. Now, <laughs> here, here's something I have to say. Uh, Nate Timmons, you are in here the studio, and you, you know I don't know if people know this, but we record this in uh, in my home. Yes. Right? Now, high above the streets, of beautiful Denver, Colorado. Now, you may have noticed that there that, that this place is in disarray. Just, it smells wonderful. Just, though. It does smell wonderful. It smells very pine sappy. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, this Christmas tree has disrupted the entire <laughs> equilibrium of my home. Well, do you remember last year when we, we did a podcast next to the Christmas tree, and then we took a picture of ourselves and posted it? That's true. For some reason, this year, there's there it, it everything it's screwed up. Like, for instance, I, I uh, don't have any place to put my beach cruiser, my bike. So it's right now it's in the middle of the kitchen. And you have the mountain bike, too. And the mountain bike right now is in the trunk of my car. And I know the Colorado Sports Wife has a has a beach cruiser as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's there. Now everything is just in disarray. Now here's what happened. We bought this Christmas tree yesterday. Uh, which you didn't was go cut it down yourself? No, no, no. We buy You're it. Embarrassing. Come on. You know, I have a fake tree. <laughs> we have a real one. Now we brought it in and we tried to string up the lights and all the lights were half broken, whatever. We all know that whole thing. So we just threw them all away, and you get drunk, but, you fall into the tree. <laughs> yeah. So we bring these, you know, we bring this tree in, and now we just have like a bear tree, like a not like a like a grizzly bear tree, like a tree with no lights. It's, it's just like a it's like a weird thing. It's like, oh, what, what do you what, what do you got a tree there? Yeah, it's not a Christmas tree. It's just a tree. We just bring in a tree once a month, and and you know, then we throw it away. We have just this bare tree sitting out there because all of our ornaments. lights are broken. Saw- yeah. You can't put the ornaments on before the lights. The lights so anyway, but it's disrupted everything. I got I got drunk everywhere, just pulling stuff out of storage and bringing out you know. Well, there's a little or- tree there. Yeah, the little tree here was the tree from our old apartment that uh, you know kind of half-assed to whatever years ago. Now I don't even know what to do with this thing, and and it's just it's thrown everything uh, a, a a kilter, a kimbo. Everything is a kimbo in this place. I, I have no idea what to do. I, but but we'll figure it out because I'm having a huge party Friday night, oh. which you are unable to attend, which is fortunate because you weren't invited. <laughs> yeah, but, but never got that email <laughs> invite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the invitation. I got the you, uh, the in person. Hey, we're having this party Friday. <laughs> that you know. Yeah. Hopefully, it, you've already made plans. It was one of those <laughs> things where it's like you know you're probably going to hear about this, so I'm just going to throw out this might, little pity invite. You're, you're on Facebook, you know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. might see something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it was one of those things, and and, and fortunately, you already have plans. You yeah. know, you're going to be in the old oh, Winter Park, as you call it. I'll be out of town. And uh, but anyway, my life is in disarray. Uh, I, I have no idea. I can't, I'm walking through like I have bicycles parked just sporadically around this home, and and I don't know what to do. It's city dwelling. What can I say? You know, I'm tight on the space. But anyway, I, I'm feeling good about this podcast, though. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk tonight about so many different things. Now. Why did you look at the recorder like that? Well, we threw a fresh, fresh bat in, and it's it's uh, down to two bars. Is it recording at least? <laughs> it is. 
It is, but I was kind of surprised. My head's, that's a fresh, uh, fresh double well, air. There's right a lot there. of hot air coming from this side of the room over here. So anyway, fresh up. Enough of my problems, Nate Timmons. What about you? I don't even know, man. We've been talking about Broncos tickets and Christmas trees. I have no idea. Well, uh, I, I will say this: uh, I, I was very happy about the snow. Extremely excited disappointed at the production of this so-called winter blast that was supposed to come through. What is with these people? When I go to denverpost.com and you look at the forecast and it'll say like chance of snow four to eight inches or three to six inches. But then I go to the weather channels uh, app and it's like, yeah, it'll barely snow. And that's consistent. Denver Post is always saying, yeah, it's going to be a big thing. And, and I understand if they just like, yeah, maybe a half inch, maybe two, then people aren't going to like keep checking in or listening or something. But this storm, as welcome as it was, was very, very overhyped. Yeah, like, you want to was... scare the shit out of people to draw your ratings up, right? Yeah, yeah but it. what is that? that? That's a lack of journalistic well, had, integrity. You're Verizon, right? Do you get those uh, severe weather alert texts? Your phone, or yeah, whatever it is. which I, I, I'm not, I, I don't like that. No, I, I that's got, Obama, by the way. It's not just Verizon, it's Obama had instituted this yeah, whole yeah. warning system. So yeah. now I get Amber alerts. Obama on my phone. stole my uh, my car keys and misplaced them for me earlier today as well. <laughs> so I couldn't find them. Like, blame him for everything. No, 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 I'm this is serious. He enacted this thing where through the FCC now they have to they can push all these. Alerts and amber alerts, you know. And well, it's probably like that. not a bad thing because I mean, news is so terrible now. I refuse to watch it, so I need to get some kind of updates about something somewhere. But I did. I got an amber alert thing today too about some two thousand Honda Accord with. Uh, anyway, well, you know what's funny is that amber alert I got on my phone was about twelve hours after it was released. And I got it onto my phone, and then I went to look at it on Denver Post, and the Denver Post already had an article up saying the girl was home safe. <laughs> so you're out there hitting the streets. So, yeah, so I was, like, interrogating. Co- the I was interrogating coworkers. <laughs> I was like, you drive a Honda Accord. Where's the girl? Tell me where the girl is. <laughs> you know, I watched – I was uh... waterboarding these people. <laughs> For the first time out of theaters, uh, first time at home, I watched The Dark Knight Rises today, the Batman. This is uh, the first time you saw it? No, I saw time? it in theaters. Oh, you I went, did? Uh, yeah. After the, uh, you know, the horrible shooting incident uh, in Aurora, I actually went. Wait, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I remember. I think I went maybe the week after that or something just to, you know, just to go because I was like, I want to see this movie and damn it, I'm not going to let some loser ruin me going to the movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. I've seen 20 movies since then, but um, it was the first time I'd seen it since then, and uh, it was good. You just reminded me when you were screaming there about, you know, kind of a Batman-esque type thing, you know, of uh, Christian Bale just deciding to escalate everything into a yelling situation, <laughs> which he obviously took from Al Pacino at some point, you know, so. Oh, please. It's not even close. Well, I mean, they just both like to scream and yell. It's yeah. fantastic. But uh, so you watched The Dark Knight Rises for the second time. I did. Caught in, clued you in on a lot of stuff that happens. You know, you know I watched it myself uh, okay. recently. All right. And Good. I was not that impressed with the movie. Oh, you, hadn't, you didn't see it in theaters? I had not seen it. I saw it for the first time last week. Well, we talk week on uh, we talk on Denver Stiffs as well as here. Uh, we get into, into movie talk here quite a bit, and we do the same on the, in the Denver Stiffs comment section. And uh, one of our uh, readers, throw it down, big man, throw it down, 
he was talking about uh, how the mask that Bane wears in that movie doesn't make him scary and that it's like it makes everything kind of goofy or something about it. And he's like, he can't be a real bad guy with that mask. And I was like, but guess what? He wasn't the real bad <gasps> Ooh, guy. Spoiler alert. Well, here's the thing. Oh, yeah, I, right, here's folks. the problem I had. And by the way, this third movie here was absolutely – it was – it was the fifth best movie in the trilogy somehow, <laughs> meaning that it was much, much worse than the previous two. And Tom Hardy doing his voice, it sounded like Sean Connery doing an impression of himself, you know? Like, it was like, oh, money penny. Oh, Batman. <laughs> and it was so bad. It was so bad. I mean, he was an intimidating character. You know, for sure, but why do you keep looking at that recorder with that weird face? It just went down to to one bar on the battery. You have got to be. Did you take the old battery out and then put back in the old battery? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not. I just, so we're just draining the battery here? I guess. We just want some hot, fresh Batman <laughs> But anyway, I did not uh, like the movie that much. Yeah, the voice, the voice was kind of... So at some points, it was hard to understand what he was saying, and then other points, it was like... And then yes, and it's like yeah. And then on top of that, that is, I need to. I mean, I'm not deaf, but I need to be able to read lips sometimes to understand this crazy stuff. And and you couldn't do it. And I was kept on being like, "What did he say? What what what, what was that? <laughs> yeah. What did he say? Like what? what? Huh?" And it was it was a bad it was a bad movie. And I know that Heath Ledger is the one to blame because he killed himself on the drugs or whatever. And he was supposed to be yeah, involved. Yeah, killed himself on the drugs or whatever. <laughs> he was supposed to be involved in the third movie, which would have made the third one much better. But uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think, is always great. And you think he's going to be the next Batman? Is well, that, he's Robin, right? I mean, he's Robin. Yeah, but, like, he's going to be the next Batman in the next whatever. I wonder what they're going to do with that because, you know, I mean, he needs to bulk up seriously on some steroids if he wants to step into Batman shoes. If he wants to be a believable action hero, that kid needs to start, you know, eating protein, uh steroids. The guy's probably out. older than you. So I don't know why you're calling him a kid. Cause he's still that kid from Third Rock from the Sun. Joseph Gordon Ledd and Jogo. <laughs> Jogo Lev Lev is what I call him. We're probably about the same age, I bet. <laughs> Me and old Jogo go back quite a quite a couple of days. Yeah. Well here, let's do this. Considering that our battery is about to die and uh we're gonna have to uh I don't know, go get a battery or go return some batteries because they're no good. I have a feeling I gave you a fresh battery, you took it out and then put it back the old one back in. That just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, hey, Timmons, be honest. But, I mean, 30 minutes in, should we, should we take a little break, come back and talk some sports? <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. <laughs> we'll swap out the batteries, and we'll be, we'll be back. Stay tuned, everybody, because we still have a lot to talk about. Sing it, boys. That's right. Sing it. It's the holiday season. Santa Claus. And da -da -da -da. Is, this, uh, is this your favorite Christmas song? I've never heard this song before in my life. Really? 
You know, I have a weird thing. Like, I, that's one of my favorite Christmas songs ever. But the weirdest thing about it is that I replace the lyrics for some reason. And this happens to me all <laughs> every year. This happens when I hear that song. I, what lyrics I put into it is um, that that Warren G song with Nate Dogg. Oh, you know what song I'm talking about? Regulators. Yeah, my cousin just left me a voicemail with that. He sang most of that song to me in voicemail. Yeah, so like it's the holiday season, doobie doo. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. Looked at the brother, said, "Damn, what's next? It's the holiday season." For some reason, when I That's hear awesome. that song, I throw in those lyrics. You know. Can't believe I made taking more as well. Two one and Lewis <laughs> took <laughs> took a left on two one and Lewis. <laughs> like it's a weird thing. Like I, I put that in. That is very those, weird. I know it's very bizarre. But every time I hear that song, which I am a big fan of, and I can't believe you haven't. Uh, taken Warren's wealth. I mean, I can't believe you haven't heard that song. Really, that was the first time. The Williams Brothers. That's the first time, man. I don't even. Uh, I've heard of. I think my stepdad watches Lawrence it's Welk. The holiday season. I sure but a doop dare doop. Doopy They took my rings. They took my Rolex. I looked at can't the believe I said, "Damn, what's taking Warren's wealth?" <laughs> I like it. At any rate. A uh, lots to get into here with the, the sports and whatnot. Now, um, uh, we talked about um, uh, you rescheduling and me screwing up with the other stuff. But, okay, so let me just cross that off. Uh, hey, Ross, catch up with your notes. Now, here's the thing. Now, the Broncos uh, on Sunday morning uh, beat up on the Baltimore Ravens. They beat them down. Now, uh, here is my question. Now, <laughs> During the game, and, and it, it got a little ridiculous about how I, I never try to complain about the people that are announcing the games because I think it's a specific. Oh, I talent. love complaining about announcers. Yeah, I, I do too, but it's a specific talent. And I used to absolutely hate Chris Collinsworth, for instance. I hated him. Yet this year, as I've watched a lot of his games, I feel like he is a lot better than I remember him. And I don't know if it was because I look at him differently now or if maybe he is better than he used to be. But I'm, a man's eyes. I'm absolutely enjoying Sunday night football because of Al Michaels, who's always been one of my favorites, and now even Chris Collinsworth. I think they do a great job. Bob Costas not included in that. Now Al Michaels is fantastic. Al Michaels is great. Yeah, yeah. you know. And and but what happened during this game, right? It was uh, Greg Gumble and Dan Deardorf. Rumbling, bumbling, gumbling. Oh, and Dan Deardorf used to be one of my favorite guys. Oh, oh. is he related to a walrus? <laughs> he is uh I think he's not I think he is a walrus. <laughs> but he the way that they were ta- discussing this game and quote unquote analyzing it was absolutely abhorrent and it was so incredibly one-sided and I don't think that it was just my Bronco homerism that made me catch on to this and I don't know if you even watched the game you maybe didn't I don't know well, I mean, I'm sure you were watching replays of Saturday night's NBA marquee matches. We were communicating via Twitter during the game, so <laughs> well, that should have been one clue. We were? Well, yeah, well, I guess that was probably one-sided as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I noticed the same thing, and I, I even I sent out a tweet about it during the game. I, you know, most, most of the time when you watch one team blowing out the other team, 
it's the team doing the blowing out that gets you know talked about almost at nauseum to where you're like, hey, at least mention something about the other team because in this case you had two AFC playoff teams you know battling it out. So it was like all the talk was about the Ravens, and it was like they're getting their butts kicked. Like, can we talk about the Broncos? Maybe I don't know Von Miller, Doomerville, uh, Mike Adams, Chris Harris. Tony Carter, Chad Bailey. What about Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. I I mean, Peyton Manning here is in the midst of one of the greatest comebacks of all time as far as great quarterbacks go. Most quarterbacks, when they hit that big injury point in their career, they never recover. They just just don't do that. And Peyton Manning now is in the midst of a record-breaking season Yet they didn't even really mention Peyton Manning until the middle of the third quarter on that Eric Decker uh, touchdown pass. And that was like, and it was almost mentioned in passing. And most of the discussion around this game was about Ray Lewis. And it was about the fact that four out of the five Baltimore Ravens top tacklers are on the bench. Well, they didn't even mention that until like halfway through the first quarter. It was like, first, Deardorff was like, wow, their entire defense is out. They got nobody playing in this game. They had to call up the Pee Wee Leagues and put in some little leaguers. Yeah. And it was like, can we get a stat or a graph about which starters for Baltimore are out here? Because I don't know. Yeah. And it would really help me instead of hearing you say, their entire defense is out when obviously I can see 11 guys on the field. Yes. But here, let me ask you this. Would you want for these NFL games, like for the NBA, we have Scott Hastings and Chris Marlowe who you kind of, you like, I like listening to them because it almost feels like, you know, they're on your side, you know, and they're your guys when you're listening to the Nuggets. Would you want local guys to do Broncos games? No, and and here's why. (laughs) Okay. uh, I absolutely wouldn't. And here's the reason why this is a problem is because, uh, in the NBA, one of the biggest problems with – and by the way, I do like Scott Hastings and Chris Marlowe. Yeah. And I think that they are great you – know, and I like them for the same reasons you do. When you listen to Scott Hastings do color on a Nuggets game, you're hearing a hometown fan. And, and it's not like he's overtly rooting for the Nuggets, but he is pointing out things that are – uh, going against the Nuggets in the same way we would, right? But right. but here's the reason why I wouldn't want that, and that is because it's the same way with baseball, right? In basketball and in baseball and in hockey, every team owner of those uh, franchises also owns their own sports network, and that ruins the rest. That ruins the competition aspect of it, right? Because no longer is watching the Nuggets about the Nuggets game. No longer is watching. Uh, you know the the Rockies about anything. It's it's about <laughs> it's about them getting ratings for these local niche regional sports channels. Now, I would prefer to have these sports being played at the same national level as the NFL is, where the uh, TV contracts are less to do with the business of the game, as far as well. Hey, I'm Stan Kroenke. I own Altitude Network. I'm uh, uh, the Yankees. I own the Yes Network, right? I would rather see the uh, the games be played on a national level with so-called unbiased commentary and have that contribute to the game. But I think that ba- the NBA is, like, totally screwed so up. So the but... Nuggets play on, like, TNT or ESPN. You'll listen to those broadcasts to get the national perspective on the team. And, well, no, I won't. Like... I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I canceled oh, yeah. cable <laughs> a year or two ago. <laughs> But it's like the, well, the nice thing about the NFL is that on the field, it's as competitive as any sport is. 
and and we've seen that year in and year out. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of parody. There's a lot of you know mediocre teams, whatever. Right, but then like any given Sunday, so to speak, as the cliche go, cliche goes. But you can argue if that's good or bad. But but the thing is, is that the Nuggets are able to continually put a mediocre product on the field because there's no national interest in the Nuggets because they don't compete, right? So when the Broncos and any kind of mid-market team in the NFL are doing well, they can have a more national spotlight. So having the NFL limited to just NBC, CBS, uh, Fox, and uh, I guess now ESPN and also the NFL Network, that's five networks, right, that are putting all of the NFL product when to the people. When you say that's more to do but with the, the fact the that basket- there's less games? Well, it could be, but I mean, it's not like the the NBA didn't used to be on NBC, you know, on a regular basis. It's oh, yeah, not like the Lakers or the like, Celtics. It's yeah. not like the the NBA didn't have those marquee matchups, you know, on national television. The NBA used to be a national sport that people watch. Now it's well, kind it used of, to be too that you couldn't watch every Nuggets game. You only got you know maybe ten Nuggets games a year. You could watch when they were on national TV if you even had that many. You know, yeah, and because there wasn't an altitude, so that was kind of a big breakthrough to be able to see all eighty-two games. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. there's there's been a lot of good for it. I don't know if I don't I don't think it's all bad at all. I mean, I, I love the fact that I get to see all the Nuggets games if I want to. That is that is, that you know what that is true. So maybe in a sense that is better. But as far as you asking me, would I rather have the Broncos play on say like? Uh, Mile high uh, sports cable channel, right? Deep, and have like Dave you know, Logan and Ed McCaffrey do the game or forty six or whatever. Like I would rather have them be on you know over the air television. But I wonder if you had a choice though. I wonder who you'd listen to if you had if it was on NBC with Deerdorf and if it was on. Yeah, you know, simulcast, like that type of thing. Yeah, if they had two of the, if you could listen to either your local announcers or the national ones, I wonder which ones you'd go to. I I just would like to see them explain the game as it's being played, as in how everybody else in the world sees it. And the way they were (laughs) explaining the game and, and commenting on the game was absolutely not what was going on. But then again, that I think has deeper roots, and that is that the Broncos are being absolutely dismissed on a national level. And I'll give you an example, and I, and I always talk about how I don't care about the ESPN power rankings, yet every single Wednesday I'm checking the power <laughs> rankings. Last week, the Broncos were ranked number two, right behind the Patriots, who were number one. And I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, and I said, who do you think is going to be number one after these Broncos win? I said, is it going to be the Texans or is it going to be the Niners? And he said, oh, well, come on. If the Broncos win and the Patriots lose, there's, there's no way that the Broncos won't be number one. How does two get leapfrogged? Sure enough, Wednesday they come out and the – or excuse me, Tuesday they come out and the Niners – are number one, and Were the Broncos really? are number two at the, in the ESPN <laughs> Power Rankings. Now, the Niners beat the Patriots. Were the Niners third before? I think they were, like, uh, fourth or fifth. Like okay. they, were, I mean, so they went up four spots to number one, and it just it doesn't make any sense. It's like, how can the Broncos, who have won their ninth game in a row, a, on the road in Baltimore, right, nine games in a row, Yet the the Niners who go into Foxborough 
and beat the Patriots, right, which was a great – I mean, they, they basically blew them out for three quarters before the Patriots came back and, you know, <laughs> made it a game. Yeah. But it's like how can they – how can that possibly happen? Why wouldn't the Broncos be number one in a power ranking thing like, you know, like the ESPN power rankings? And I know the AP 52 or whatever, 32 pro – Thing put a, put the Broncos number one, but but what's going on? And, and ESPN represents the national coverage of sports, for better or worse. That represents the national interest, and the national interest has no interest in putting any spotlight on the Broncos. And I complain about it because I am a Bronco fan, and I want to go to ESPN and I want to read about the Broncos at the, on the national level, but. Uh, that's not that's not good for the for I guess for ESPN and, and what drives me crazy is the Giants the New York Giants will win one game right and and go up six spots and then they'll lose a game and drop six spots or, or something like that and it's like why don't they just look at what's going on and 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 I understand the argument that well the Broncos haven't beaten anybody they haven't beaten anybody and in fact all the best teams in the league that they've played they've lost to. Uh, i.e. The, the Patriots, the Falcons, the Texans. But are are people suggesting that a nine-game winning streak is not extraordinary, no matter who these wins and losses are against? Nine and those losses, those losses came in the first five weeks of the season, right? Of course. Of course and when, when the Broncos weren't even a team yet, of essentially. And which is what I think every uh, astute, uh, NFL fan would understand. But don't you not – I mean, I don't mind the Broncos being underrated. I don't mind the fact that they get shunned nationally because I think that – I don't know if it I don't know if it makes a difference to the players, you know, to where, you know, that whole thing about you don't want to read your own headlines and think you're better than you think you are, whatever. That That's the other side of it. But when it comes Absolutely. down, too, to the playoffs as well, it's like, you know, you can rank the 49ers wherever you want to, but if I'm going into a playoff game and I either have Colin Kaepernick or Peyton Manning as my quarterback, I'm going to bet with Peyton Manning. Yeah, and by the way, that's the other side of things is, yes, I, you're right. Maybe maybe we should just be happy that the Broncos aren't getting the national attention, that they're not, um, you know, getting lauded about their play, and maybe we should be happy that the Broncos are flying a little bit under the radar. You know, maybe we should be happy about that. But what I'm saying is, what, what, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just confused about the fact that nine wins in a row, nine times, nine times the Broncos have won in a row, in a row. That That is an extraordinary feat when you consider everything that's going on. And what, what really sucks about it is that maybe they're downplaying it because it's Peyton Manning. Maybe they're downplaying it because of uh, it's just Denver and we're a mid-market team. But the bottom line is that the Denver Broncos defense is absolutely extraordinary. And the way they're playing, I, I don't see any reason why uh, – Anybody should have any doubt, even from a non-homer point of view, that the Broncos are a legitimate Super Bowl contender moving forward. And on top of that is they supplanted the, the, the New England Patriots for that number two seed. You cannot over over uh, you cannot put too so much too much emphasis on the this notion of having a first round bye. I mean, you get a free pass to the second round of the playoffs. That is so important. 
It is, is so I important. Mean, you only have to win two games to get to the Super Bowl that way, right? I mean, that's it's humongous. It's huge. But like, like you said, though, I mean, the reason that they're not getting hyped as an 11-3 and three team, they're being treated like they're, you know, Indianapolis or Cincinnati who have these 9-5, and 8-6 and six records. I mean, that's how they're getting treated. Maybe even worse. I mean, the freaking stink ball New York Jets are getting so much national coverage, it makes me want to puke. Oh, my God. Every time I turn and, on ESPN, I see the Jets, I change the freaking And, and what is that about? I can't. It's what, just what this is whole that about? stupid New York plus Tebow equals huge media BS. I don't know. I can't even say it. I don't even want to talk about it because it makes me sick. But, you know, this whole thing about the Broncos, yeah, they're 11-3. and three. Hopefully they're going to get that buy. God, I totally lost the point of what I was going to say. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I don't mind that they're, that they're getting shunned, but they are because they did lose to Houston, New England, and the Falcons. If they won, you know, two out of those three or one out of those three, I think they get more respect. But they're not going to get respect until they get to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. That's just how it's going to go. And, and you know what? And that's fine. And, and I was uh... – interacting on Twitter uh, the other day with Adam Kinney from Denver Sports Nation, and he made a, a, a cool tweet about how all these teams that are now going to be in the playoffs were teams that the Broncos had either uh, played this season or played in Super Bowls past, like the Falcons and the, and the Niners, right? And I say, bring on the Niners, and he tweeted back, like, after last night's performance i don't want to have anything to do with the niners and i'm thinking to myself one game one game where they beat the patriots now all of a sudden the the niners are the team to beat and i'm thinking to myself why wouldn't the niners say i don't want anything to do with the broncos and why would any team want to face the broncos at this point the broncos have 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 proven over the last nine weeks Nine nine games in a row. Actually, it would be, I guess, ten weeks with the bye. That they are not a team that anybody should want to face. And that's not even just because of Peyton Manning. Our defense is stout. Well, do you remember how bad the Broncos played against the Falcons? Yes. Remember how Wasn't bad? That like, three picks in the three first picks quarter? in the first quarter. It was okay. A horrible game. You look back at that game, final score was 27-21. Mm-hmm. Broncos made a game out of that. It was Atlanta's first home game. You don't think that crowd in a dome was completely fired up? Like, people probably are, yeah, the Broncos lost to the Falcons. Falcons had their first home game against Denver. They got three turnovers in the first quarter. They beat Denver by six points. Yes, and and, and, and something like, uh, as I was kind of calculating some stuff out, the average margin of victory for the Broncos this season has been like 14.2 points. The average margin of defeat is around seven, like 6.8 points or something like that. And the one big exception would have been that Patriots game, the last loss they had when they lost 31 to 21. Yet that Broncos team was coming back, and there were offensive mistakes that were made, including uh, uh, Willis McGahee fumble and and I think Peyton might have, you know, thrown a weird interception in there. They didn't even know how to play as an offense exactly, at that point. Exactly, exactly. And and the way the Broncos are playing now, uh, and and the way they keep figuring out ways to win, and the way they keep winning by a substantial margin. There hasn't been a close game all season, you know, with the Broncos winning. They're just it, it's been it's been pretty much decided. And then especially the way the Broncos come out, and there's been so much talk about first-quarter performance by the Broncos. Who cares? Who cares about the, you know, the Mike Shanahan 
scripted 10-play drive, you know, score on the first drive of every, every game. Now, who cares about that? Look at the third quarter. Look at the third and fourth quarter when the Broncos are putting away these teams. And I'm much happier to see this team versus the Shanahan teams. I think we talked about this on the podcast before, but remember the Shanahan teams would always start, you know, 5-0, and 6-0, and and then they'd lose, like, you know, six of their last eight games or whatever the heck the stat is. This Broncos team, like we've been talking about, has been getting, you know, progressively better as the season's gone on. I don't know if it's they've gotten better week by week necessarily, but as a whole on the season, it's like this team's good. And, and, I, gonna... and I think I said this after the first game I said, or maybe it was the second game. I don't remember what it was, but I think I went on and on and on about how this team is very well balanced Yeah, in that they do not rely on any single element to get these victories now it just so happens that when the broncos do win they're averaging a 14 point victory and yet the 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 defense is scoring the defense is getting takeaways uh uh, we went into baltimore and a place where the broncos are historically bad (laughs) not like historically bad historically deplorable and and what does no sean moreno do and i think it's also a place where i said last week that peyton manny's been historically bad but i didn't want to hear about it actually you know what i i think or is he okay you were wrong i think that i hope i I think peyton manny has now won like seven straight or eight straight victories against baltimore (laughs) and i remember you mentioning that it's probably new england where he's bad (laughs) (laughs) hey hey, they were probably all in indy those victories but no sean moreno goes in and puts down like 125 yards. Ross, I'm, and, I'm knocking on wood right now, but how about Noshan taking care of the football? Noshan Moreno is has invigorated this. And I, I got to say, he is, uh, I think it, it was almost a blessing in disguise to have Willis McGahee go down. And, and I loved Willis McGahee's productivity. But have you seen anybody as fired up to play um, that more than no Sean Moreno. I mean, look, just look at the way he struts around after getting tackled and the way he's turning three yard gains and just pushing through. I mean, he was driving entire, uh, just like four or five defenders and he's just driving them down and pushing. And at one point, like he got a, a six yard gain, what kept pushing. And then all of a sudden the, the Broncos offensive line was like, Oh my God, he's still going. And they went and pushed him <laughs> past the first line. No Sean Moreno is on a mission. And and I and I love it. And in a way, I feel a little bit vindicated as I spoke earlier in the season about how offensive running backs are not as important as offensive running games, you know. And you can plug and play different guys in there. But Noshan Moreno is exhibiting such a such a, a passion for this game right now. And I love seeing him stand up and he's strutting and he's getting in defenders' faces. I saw several times during that game where he would get even like a mediocre gain of three or four yards and he's standing up and he's barking in front of the safety's faces or the linebackers and he's getting in their face. And I love that. And, I, and, and I'm very, very proud and happy about Noshan Moreno. And, and I wonder how much them keeping him, you know, kind of on the injured reserve or, or not on the injured reserve, but you know, inactive for all those weeks is I, I feel like they knew that the, the Broncos management knew, you know what, we're going to need this guy and we want him to have fresh legs. And he's playing on the freshest legs in the NFL as far as a running back goes. And I'm so excited to see the rest of the season go on. And I, and in years past, I may have been a little, a little bit nervous about going into these last two games. And I and I and I got. Let me with with Noshan just real fast. McGahey had 167 carries. He had five fumbles. 
Noshan's had 102 carries and just one fumble. And I think I think he's getting stronger as these games go on. I mean, he had you know 85 yards against the Chiefs. He had you know 69 yards against Tampa Bay, 119 against Oakland, and 118 against Baltimore. But like you were just saying, like him pushing through the pile and stuff, he was running tougher than I've ever seen him run. And also that he's he he's been exhibiting patience uh, and letting letting the plays develop now. And he's never done that in the past. And he's not tiptoeing as much. Like he's yeah. he is waiting for his blocks, but he's not, you know, doing that dancing that always drove me crazy. It was like just you know follow your blockers and go. And it's like he's yes. starting to do that. And you can't for taking care of the football in this offense. You know, Peyton's not going to throw. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And if Noshan can continue with what he's doing, you know, taking care of the ball and it just like you said that balanced offense is so key heading into these last two games as well. Yes, there's there's so many different. And by the way, I would I would hate to be a, a a coordinator, a defensive coordinator for a team against the Broncos because what do you plan for? There's there's nothing you can do here. You can't say you know what, I'm just gonna you know send all my guys back and 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 do a, a you know a nickel defense and just stop the 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 pass and let them run it. You can't you can't say I'm gonna you know. Uh, I'm gonna blitz and you know force them to run it. You can't say you can't you can't just go in and force the Broncos to be one dimensional. And we and you know what? And maybe you can in that first half a little bit, a little bit. But guess what? But when halftime happens, and, and Peyton Manning and 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 uh, and John Fox and 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 all and Jack Del Rio and all these guys get together. They are going to come back in the third quarter, and they are going to have a strategy that has out-strategizes your uh, defensive strategy. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to come back. And, and do not mess with the Broncos in that third quarter. Do not mess with that. And, and just like, you know, you, you don't want to – maybe you want to come out strong. Maybe you do. But guess what? The Broncos come out strong in that second half, and that is the most important part. And guess what? What are we in now? In the, we're in the fourth quarter of the season, and, and this is – this is what we're going to see for the rest of the way. So are you worried about these these last two? Are you worried no. about this Browns game at all? I got a little bit of... Uh... I have my normal apprehension about yeah. everything. And I was reading this uh, article my, my buddy sent me. He, he sent me this article, and it was by Doug Otwell of... Uh... Doug Otwell from Mile High Sports? Yes, yes. Otwell. And, and it was like, this season seems spookily or mysteriously like that 96 Broncos when they lost to the Jaguars in the first round. And they were like, well, look at this. You know, look at this. The Broncos and the Patriots are the top of the AFC, and there's so many similarities and a number of points scored total and all this stuff. And it's like, I love how these people are able to make these spurious connections with uh, different statistics, when they go in and they cherry pick these stats, you know, and they, and they I like make to these, do that myself. On these, steps, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure, right? But it's like, all right, let's go in here and let's think of a reason to be pessimistic. Why am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to do that because that will solidify my position in the sports punditry universe as a legitimate pundit, as opposed to. Being optimistic and then being labeled as a homer, yeah, and so Ottawa, I, I mean, look at these hacks that do this. And, yeah, and Ottawa, I'm not though, talking I mean, about you. Ottawa's, I mean, he's the owner of Mile High Sports, one of the owners of Mile High Sports, and he's, you know, he's a he's a Broncos, he's a CU fan, he's a Broncos fan. He's, I mean, he's a hometown Colorado guy, and I think it is easy though to be pessimistic and to, you know, expect 
not to have greatness, right? Well, you it's wanna, the easiest no. thing to do. No, the, the, the reason why that's easy to do is because um, the, because the percentages you, of winning it all are so yes, small. Yes, and so it's a safe position to take. It's and, very and, safe. and it's like you know what I'm going to come up with this crate, you know, the you know, and I'm going to make this article look like you know I really truly analyzed this when in fact there was no analyzation. He went into the article with an agenda, and, and he went and he cherry picked these statistics. He made spurious connections, and, you know, and and then all of a sudden, oh my God, now we need to be worried about it. And then when the inevitable happens. And I'll be honest, the inevitable is on the pessimistic side, just by the pure odds of things, he can pat himself on the back and he can say, well, see, I wrote about this a month ago or two months ago, and uh, I was dead on. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's part being like wanting to grasp onto this element of legitimacy, I guess. And it's part also thinking that people actually listen or care about what these guys say. I can tell you, too, like as a writer, when you go into stuff and you do have, I mean, I'll do that. I'll have a thought in my head of what I want to write, but you have to leave yourself open to the fact that the statistics or whatever story you're going after may lead you in a different direction, and oftentimes it's going to lead you in a better direction. So, Well, and I also get the fact that you know a person like you who writes about the Nuggets day in and day out is eventually going to be get labeled as a Nuggets apologist or a George Carl ass kisser or something like that. But and and nobody wants to be in that position. But are you are you writing what you think, or are you writing what you think people will more accept? Right. I mean, is that what you're doing? And I mean, I mean, how do you choose what you write? I never, I never really consider what other people will think. Like I wrote this trade piece today where I had suggested we talk about it maybe later in Nuggets stuff, but I suggested Nuggets maybe make a trade for Amare Stoudemire from the New York Knicks, who's, you know, basically like it's like red flag city if you try and trade for a guy that has no knees and he's 30 years old and you know basically no eyes either. I mean his eyes can fall out of his head at any point in time. But <laughs> I, I I just tend to tend to write. You know I, I try to think of something that I find interesting and something that you know when I write Nuggets since I'm a Nuggets fan I'm like eh, this might kind of lead me in a fun direction and then you know oftentimes you just put it out there for people to see and I just wonder I wonder how people are going to react. That's kind of how I think is just. I don't so write you want it to be, trying to get be, a reaction. You want to be provocative. No, I don't, I don't write it trying to get a reaction. I write it for just my own opinion of things, and then I just kind of see, like, I wonder what people will react to that. Where I, you know, well, I, I'm not right, writing so. it to say, are they going to react good or bad? I'm just like, I wonder how they will react. And a lot of times people are like, I like that, or people will disagree with you, and it's kind of fun to see. But no, I don't go into it with an agenda. You can't really do that. Well, here's what I see, and, and again – Maybe it's because I am a homer, but I've never claimed to be anything but. But I see that people, up-and-coming sports writers, up-and-coming sports personalities, tend to favor the pessimistic side of the argument because otherwise they will not seem as legitimate as – um, say somebody who is scrutinizing, right? So or you like, want to go against the grain and go against, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you want opinion. you want to say, you know what? I'm in the city of Denver, and everybody here is huge Bronco fans. And if I start going out there and I start writing about how great this team is and how the future looks so bright and how things are going so well, then I'm going to get labeled as uh, unprincipled. I'm going to get labeled as as biased. And and therefore, I'm going to intentionally go out and I'm going to write uh, stories that are patently inaccurate 
and poor analysis and therefore I'm going to be you know held up as now you know what you know what this guy this this Nate Timmons this Doug Ottweil these guys you know what they're to be trusted because in the face of all this hometown uh, myopia they had the the courage to come out and say you know what hey everybody take a step back and realize that maybe things aren't as great as they think but the bottom line is and I'm not talking about the nuggets but as far as the broncos go there's absolutely nothing nothing to suggest that this team is not as legitimate and as as as, as big of a contender as we all think feel in our hearts and if you want to sit back and analyze the broncos accurately and without bias then i'm saying you have to consider and you have to put at the top of your priority as a writer or a pundit or whatever that this team is legit and real and if I'm a Niners fan or I'm a Patriots fan or I'm a whatever fan then I don't want to face those Broncos and there's no there's nothing to suggest that there's any weakness here and if there is weakness let that not be the forefront yeah I mean I totally agree with you when you look at this team it's it's hard to think for me when I when I look at the Broncos and I think when they're going into this game and they play up to their potential, I mean, you can say that with any team. When they play up to their potential, like this Sunday, Browns-Broncos. If the Broncos play up to their potential, if the Browns do as well, I expect the Broncos to win. I think the Broncos' best is better than the Browns' best any day of the week. And then when you kind of start forecasting that down into the playoffs, it's like, God, I just you don't, yeah, you don't see a lot of weakness. You can say, yeah, maybe Peyton Manning's going to come out and have a really bad game, but how often does he, does he do that? One out of... What is it, 14 games so far? That Atlanta game, he's had one really bad game, but he wasn't even bad that whole game. He was bad for one quarter, but, I mean, that could ruin you. But, I don't know, it's kind of funny. I've been sitting here staring at the ESPN page for Brandon Whedon, the Browns quarterback. You know this guy's 29 years old? He's a rookie? Who? Brandon Whedon, the Browns quarterback. He's He's how old? 29-year-old rookie. Oh, Cause he was one of those it's like Joel Klatt. He's one of those Oklahoma State. <laughs> I played baseball for ten years, failed, and then yeah, Joel Klatt came back to be a freshman quarterback at, at the age of the ripe age of twenty six. Yeah, so he's but one that's of those. the only example I can think of. But uh. Uh, I mean, Joel Klatt did it. Whedon, uh, Chris Wanky from the Florida State Seminoles. I think he was like a twenty eight or twenty nine year old rookie as well, but. I don't know. I think the Broncos trounced the Browns this weekend. I'm kind of excited to see Trent Richardson play. You know what I think? I, I think the I Broncos can't. win by an, uh, around 14.2 points. 14.2. Yeah, and I think that's what happens. And I, I don't think uh, – I, I just find it laughable that there's this uh, – it, it seems forced, this – Last two games are at home, right? I mean, obviously this one is. Yeah, and Chiefs then the Chiefs, home. that's also at home, yeah. And it, I don't want to look too far forward, but, man – Keeping that two seed is so big. And the best part about it is all the Broncos have to do to keep that two seed is win out. And the the cool thing is they could win out, and I don't know, can they possibly get the number one seed? I, I don't know what's going on with the Texans. They The Texans would have to drop their last two games. Yeah, and, and it's not likely. but And it's also not likely the Patriots would drop their last two or one of the last two. If the Broncos win out, they at least get the second. Yeah, no so matter the, what. There's nothing that could happen yeah. to knock them out of the second if they beat the Browns and they beat the Chiefs. And if the Broncos win this weekend and the Patriots lose, I mean, you've always said you hate depending on other teams, but they'd secure the two-seed as well. But, yeah, win out, take care of your own business. Yes, yeah, if go. the Patriots won either one of the next two, right, and the Broncos win, yeah. Now the Texans have won 12 games. On the season? Yeah, 12-2. and two. 
Okay, so yeah, yeah, so we could get that number one seed, and I think that I don't remember what the Texans have, but at any rate, it doesn't matter. That first round buy is so important, so important, and and people like to, to throw around this idea that hey, you know what, wild card teams are you know Texans are, are playing two playoff teams, are playing the Vikings and the Colts. Some well, stranger things have happened. Hey. Hey, shoot. If the Niners <laughs> could go beat the Patriots, who would the Niners lose? I'm so sick of this San Francisco Remember they, they tied uh, They tied the Rams, yeah. right? And then they lost to the Rams in another game. But that, might, but that might have been Alex Smith, right? Yeah, that might have been Smith. <laughs> but Cal- Colin Kaepernicky, whatever his name is. Kaepernick. And by the way, uh, I, I, I trashed him last week and the week before. What an exciting guy to watch. I also heard football. that he wrote a letter to Santa when he was a kid. said he wanted to grow up and be a quarterback in the NFL and perhaps play for the Niners or one other team. Oh. And, you know, he's doing it. Oh. He's fulfilling his dream, Ross. You know. So special. So what? You got to believe in Santa? Oh, yeah. If you believe in Santa, <laughs> and I hope he you He took do. my rings, <laughs> took my Rolex, looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? He gave away <laughs> all of my stuff. <laughs> but at any rate, I, you know, uh, enough of the bashing local uh, sports people. I, again, you know, I'm just trying to say, who who is honestly, and, and by the way, it's almost like people locally are falling in line behind this national And I've seen that stuff on opinion. Twitter, too, of, you know, people like, well, I hope you're getting your fill of the Broncos doing good now because they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. And it's like, how do you know? If you knew that, you'd be a millionaire, you clown. Yeah, but you know yeah, what? How are. easy is that to say? So uh, easy. You know, come on. Of course. All right, maybe they won't. Six uh, teams and, and, in the playoffs, 12 yeah. total. It's like, oh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say one out of these 12 teams oh, isn't going to make it. What did I see in the Denver Post today? I saw, you know what I saw in the Denver Post? And by in the Denver Post, I mean DenverPost.com. I saw an article that said, Broncos may have to win 14 in a row to make it to the Super Bowl or something like that. And it's like, yeah, of course. Uh, nine win, 10 wins, 11 wins in a row. And then, by the way, did you know that in the playoffs you can't lose? So in order to win the Super <laughs> no Bowl, second in order to win the Super Bowl, you do have to win three more in a row. Duh. And then I saw something else that was just ludicrous as a headline. It's like, Peyton Manning sees value in John Elway as, a, as an exec or something like that. Was that on chicken and beer? On what? You said ludicrous. Oh, I oh you're not talking about the rapper. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, it was uh, ludicrous is al- also a word. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not just the name of a rapper. Oh. But, but this uh, – Something article, new every day. Yeah, the article was like uh, – no, I think it said – Peyton Manning sees John Elway as a quote-unquote valuable asset as an exec. <laughs> and that was the headline. And, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is great. <laughs> this is great. I, I'm sure Peyton Manning was up there and somebody said, what do you think about having John Elway as uh, your uh, vice president and blah, blah, blah. And, and Peyton Manning was like, well, uh, I, I, he's a valuable asset. And boom, there's your headline. <laughs> boom, there it is. Yeah, you know, let's all good. rely on uh, the Denver Post to bring us the news. <laughs> I like the Post, still Post guy. Yeah, it's because you don't have any other choices. Um, maybe, maybe I could read that Weed Magazine, Westward. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, take a short one. Come back, talk a little Denver Nuggets basketball. Let's do it.
Christmas snow is white on the ground. When old Santa gets into town, he'll be coming down the chimney down. Whoop de doo. It seems so quiet. I'll blame you for uh, pumping up. Big fat sack. Good boys and no Christmas sacks. Old peppermint stick. It's the holiday season. The holiday season. Oh, dickory dot. And don't forget to hang up your sock collars. Plus, exactly at 12 o'clock. Here we come down the chimney now. Here we come down the chimney now. <laughs> I got guns dickory to my dunk? head. I think I'm going down. I can't believe this, this happened in my own town. <laughs> All right, Nate Timmons. Now, uh, uh, read the nuggets now. Uh, you say re the nuggets? Are you saying re the nuggets? Re the nuggets regarding <laughs> regarding the nuggets. Sorry. Let me go ahead and tweet to you in person. <laughs> corporate corporate speak, yeah. uh, emails and whatnot. Now, uh, here's what I I like, Nate Timmons, about you. The holiday season. Well, I like the holiday season, but what I like about you <laughs> is that when you, uh, as you are known to do, you go down <sighs> to the uh, the Pepsi Center. The can. And, and uh, and and you now uh, this season have been uh, at every home game, all what two three of them? <laughs> yeah, I've missed two so far this season. And uh, I've been hard on the Nuggets, uh, mo- ma- mainly because who cares about the Nuggets? But but God. also because <laughs> damn it! <laughs> but also because you know I, I do Ross. I know you do. I know, but oh, okay. I, but I haven't I haven't been uh, you know. And Jeff Morton was giving me some uh, some uh, guff on uh, the Twitter. The Mort Report. The Mort Report. Bit back uh, after the new year. The original. Um, now, what I like about you is that you go down to the Pepsi Center. You observe practices. You interview guys. You're in there, and you're talking to not just George Carl, but you're talking to the head coaches of other teams. And uh, what I particularly liked about what you did recently was uh, something I want you to uh, relay the story to me about. And this was the... Uh, the uh, one of these guys, these mythical coaches, right? Greg Popovich, maybe the best coach in NBA history. Yes, to some. And what well, the story I heard, and this didn't come from you. This came from other people that were there, and uh, they said you were uh, one of the few people who was uh, asking questions that got good, good sound bites from. <laughs> and and uh, and and I like this so much because I, I know that I know the way, and I give you a lot of. Uh, a guff. That's the second time I've used guff. <laughs> but I, I give you a lot of guff for being kind of like a, you know, a Nuggets apologist. But you're you're not that at all, and uh, and you write good stuff. Now, do you mind telling the story about Greg Popovich? I know, you know, you don't like to talk about yourself, and you don't like to self promote, as as we know about your hesitance to uh, promote this podcast, but... Love the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, it's funny. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, Greg Popovich, a lot of people consider him to be the best coach in the NBA today. A lot of people would consider him to be one of the top five greatest coaches in the history of the NBA. So, I mean, kind of all day when I started actually thinking, I mean, when I had to cancel the podcast uh, or move the podcast from Tuesday to Wednesday, you know, when I woke up, I was thinking, I'm... 
I, I, I'm going to get a chance to talk to Greg Popovich. Like, you know, this is a guy Which that is... I only see on TV and you see him give uh, in between quarter interviews to like Rick Buecher and David Aldridge. And he's always like kind of such a smart ass and, you know, just kind of flips it on their head. And even Charles Barkley interviewed him in game and he was, you know, he told Charles, hey, you only get two questions. And he was like, oh, sorry. And you know what's funny about that whole phenomenon? And, and you see this in the NHL as well and you see it in the NFL on the way in and out after halftime, these in-game interviews I think are so funny and a little bit ridiculous because what's the last thing you want to do when you're in the middle of coaching a game? <laughs> yeah. you know, is go and talk to some reporter, some bimbo on the sidelines. Like you've got you know? a thousand other things going through your head. <laughs> yes, yes, which I, I think it's always awkward and, always, and it's always kind of pointless too. It's because whatever they're going to tell you in mid-game is – not what you got out of Greg Popovich in your, the questions you asked. So continue. So it's kind of funny. I mean, when I, I first get down to Pepsi Center, uh, it's a 7 o'clock tip. I show up. I get there about 5 o'clock. The coaches usually speak about an hour and a half before the game, somewhere in that area, you know, a little before after. And I'm waiting for uh, George to come out. Um, I think he dressed media around. Oh, you just call him George now? George Carl to come oh, out. Oh, look at you. Uh, he comes out about 5.40 last night to do his pregame, and I'm waiting there. It's about just about 5.40, and then I just kind of you know glance over. You see peripheral, and all of a sudden, like, uh, Manu Ginobili, uh, Tiago Splitter, Tony Parker, Boris Diaw, Greg Popovich all come walking in from, you know, where you come in outside. So, like, they just gotten there, and I was like, oh, we're supposed to be talking to Pop in, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and he's just getting to the stadium. But then I see, like... Dewan Blair is already in his, you know, shorts and T-shirt. He's already dressed. And I'm like, some of these Spurs just came later, I guess. Okay, whatever. By the way, I have no idea who all these people are. Yeah, a Except bunch of Spurs Popovich. players. <laughs> so anyway, the Did whole... One, was one guy's last name Splitter? Tiago Splitter, yeah. Yeah, he sounds like uh, the villain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and he looks like you my buddy Shredder? Eric. It's crazy. You yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he sound like a character? Well, I mean, Splinter is not a bad guy. That's who I was thinking of. Splinter. Was he the trainer of the turtles? Splinter was the, the, the rat. The rat, yeah. yeah. But, but Shredder is very similar. Tiago so, Shredder. So, like, all day I'm waiting to, like, you know, all day I'm kind of nervous. Like, what am I going to ask Greg Popovich? I got to ask him something. Like, you know, how many times you get a chance to talk to Greg Popovich this is the first time in my 30 years, whatever. So I'm, you know, asking people via Twitter on Stiffs. So I'm like, what would you guys ask, you know, Pop, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of farming out the. Uh, I'm farming out my job, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to kind of get a feel for what what I could maybe ask him that would, you know, elicit some type of response that would be decent, at least, you know, whatever. And um, yeah, I just saw it the other night. Uh, who was the team? When the Nuggets beat the Grizzlies, uh, we did post game with Lionel Hollins, the Grizzlies head coach. And the first question that was asked of him by a guy, I don't have any clue who the guy was. He wasn't a Denver guy. Um, I don't know if he was a Memphis guy or national or what. But the first thing he asked the Memphis coach was, um, Coach, can you talk about the game? <laughs> and he just kind of. Talk a little bit about the game tonight. And his response was, uh, well, okay, I guess the Nuggets <laughs> scored more points than we did. And he just kind of smiled, you know, and it was like, he's all, you're going to have to do better the Grizzlies, than that. This is in uh, Memphis, right? The Memphis Grizzlies, Which yes. is, by, by the way, everybody knows the, the highest concentration of grizzly bears is in, in and Memphis. around Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's anyway, a lot of beehives. In it's kind of like the lakes in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. Exactly. Lots a lot of jazz music in Utah <laughs> as well. So, 
Uh, you know, I, there's I, a lot of nuggets in Denver. But you hear that? Uh, you hear that horrible response? Oh, there is, huh? Uh, <laughs> you hear that horrible question, and then you get such a goofy answer, and I'm like, "This is Lionel Hollins." You know, like, God forbid you ask Greg Popovich the wrong question. And he's and who's just gonna, Lionel Hollins? Memphis's head coach. Used to oh, play yeah. in the oh, NBA okay. back I'm in the sorry, day. Sorry. Played with the Blazers championship team back yeah. way back when, or at least with him at some point. No, I know who he is. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of something that's going to get in a, a response and kind of a, the first thing that Popovich gets asked, you know, I kind of, I'm waiting over by the visitor's locker room and he comes out and I'm kind of like, wow, I'm like three feet away from Greg Popovich. Like, this is kind of crazy. Are you, you're taller than him, right? Oh, no. Pop's got me by, by a few inches. How tall is he? He probably goes, I would say he's at least six four, six five. Oh, all right. So, yeah, maybe an inch or two. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's, it's kind of weird, you know, I don't really get like... Uh, I don't know. If I, you, you'll get a little starstruck, right? Like, oh, guys, me? Oh, like, yeah. yeah what the of course. Heck? Of Greg Popovich, you know? So, like I said, the guy that embarrasses Rick Buecher, David Aldridge, Charles Barkley. Uh, who am I to those dudes, you know? Nobody. So, I'm trying to think of something to ask him. The first question that he gets asked is, you know, Carl had, we just got done talking to George Carl, and Carl had talked about how he, he was speaking with a Spurs assistant coach and how that assistant coach told him, you know, when Tony Parker was a younger player, he wasn't very aggressive, you know? So, the whole thing with Ty Lawson not being a very aggressive guy, maybe he'll grow into that more or whatever. So the first question <laughs> posed to Popovich is, how did you get Tony Parker to be you know, an aggressive player? Like, relayed the story of maybe he wasn't so in his beginning of his career, and he has been, and Popovich just kind of looks, and then he just says, I just told him to do it. Yeah, do you think that's a good question? Well, it's just kind of, I mean, that's the big thing in Denver is to get Ty to be aggressive so would I have asked that to Popovich? No, no chance. I wouldn't have asked that because it's like, I don't know. But his, it was just funny. He's like, I just told him to do it. And then he could kind of tell that people were waiting for him to elaborate because, I mean, for the first couple of seconds, nobody even asked him anything. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's intimidated by this guy. As if Greg Popovich actually bestowed upon Tony Parker <laughs> how to be aggressive. Right. Uh, yeah. So he says his first line, you know, I just told him to do it. Kind of looks and answers, he's a player. All I can do is tell him. He either does it or he doesn't, and then they go to dinner. And that was the best part. He How says, boring is that? Huh? Well, it was great. He goes, all, all I could do is tell him. He either does it or he doesn't, and then they go to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it was just this weird answer, so I'm just like. Oh, Pop, that's a classic answer. I like that answer. And so I'm thinking right away. Well, this isn't going in you know any kind of a good direction thus far. And by right? the way, you yeah. know that's a perfect answer because there's no way that can make a headline. There's no way you can print that as like a controversial thing. There's, it's not provocative <laughs> at all. It's just perfect. Yeah, so it's pretty good. And then he's like, and he elaborates a little more. He's like, I gave him the ball after six games, told him he's the guy, run the show, and he did it from the age of 19 on. And know, then in uh, San Antonio, the San Antonio Sun or whatever it is, Popovich says Tony Parker's the guy. The guy. <laughs> Nobody knew until now. <laughs> so then, uh, you know, I, I, he gets asked, you know, about JaVale McGee a little bit, about, you know, what they're going to do tonight, this and that. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, okay, so he's talking about his offense a little bit. Like maybe I can try to see, you know, what they tried to do against the Nuggets because with the Nuggets, of course, you know, Carl's always saying he wants them to attack, blah, blah, blah. Like how do you stop that? How do you stop a team from attacking? So I kind of, you know, I – finally decided to belly up to the bar, essentially. And, you know, I asked Pop, you know, um, with the Denver Nuggets offense, you know, being an aggressive attacking offense, what do you guys try to do to, to slow that down? Like, how do you try to slow down, you know, like Ty Lawson, Danilo Gallinari, 
And uh, I think he mistook what I said a little bit, maybe. And I think he was saying, how did you guys slow down those guys last time you played them? Because mm-hmm. he says, well, that's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, you know, they both had bad games last time we played them. You know, if if Tony, Tony Parker, this is a great line too, he goes, if Tony plays like dog doo-doo tonight and Timmy sucks, we're going to lose. We didn't do anything. They had bad nights. It happens. <laughs> you know, which is essentially what you want to – it is great to get, you know, bullshit and then dog doo-doo in the same, yeah. same two sentences. It was that classic. is the best part. That is the best part about it is that, yeah. And, and then later in the press room, you know, I can overhear some guys going – did he really say bullshit in one sentence and then he cleaned himself up and said dog doo-doo in the next? You know? It's like, okay. So. <laughs> nice. But it was nice work. <laughs> but it was also like refreshing because it's like, it's not always like people, bloggers, writers, fans, they always want to attribute something to what happened, right? It's like, this guy, he was really bad tonight. It's because he wasn't aggressive or because the defense was doubling and we're doing this and you know, Popovich just kind of laid it out like they just played like crap. You know, it didn't do well. Yeah, and what's yeah, it's fantastic. And the best part is, you know, he he, you know, these guys like Popovich and and George Carl, they know how to answer every single question that gets thrown at them, and everywhere they go, they get the exact same questions thrown at them. And then the one time someone like you comes in and asks a question that's, it's not even like it was a controversial it wasn't controversial question, wasn't even but, good wasn't original it was no it was great and it was good but the but it was like the the way you framed it was so just a little bit off of what they're normal normally getting as opposed to like what you said uh talk a little bit about the game you know and then they hold up their <laughs> recorder you know and they're like okay yeah i do this for a job and and and, and and the way you framed the question was so funny because it was like just a little bit off of what they're normal and then all of a sudden they lose they lose that uh that that robotic way of answering all questions yeah and uh so that's great and (laughs) that's something that's fun to do that's the best part i think you know that i found so far is trying to either completely not talk about the actual game or to talk about the game in a way that will make them want to come out of that cliche shell. Right. And that's like the hardest part to figure out what to ask, even though it it sounds so simple and you can think of a million things, you know, that you would ask in that situation. But then when you're in there and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to balance out somebody else is asking a question, he's giving the answer. You're trying to listen to his answer. You just want to know when there's going to be a pause so you can jump in and, you know, when, when, when should you ask yours? Is there going to be a follow-up? Should you build off what he's saying? Is it interesting? Like, you sort of lose thought. And it's like, you know, some people have been like, why are you carrying around like a notepad and a pen? And I'm like, because that helps you a little bit stay on point so you don't forget Somebody what the hell you that? Yeah, so you don't forget what you're thinking, you know? Like, it helps. People are like, that's so old school, you know? It's like, yeah, but it's a tool that works, and it's worked for hundreds of years. You need a fedora hat with a one. You know, you put your press pass in the ribbon, you know, the around yeah. the fedora, yeah. Hey, well, that was that. <laughs> well, my best after the game, you know, the Nuggets, uh, kind of my uh, the cool part, um, well, at least the, the part that got picked up by uh, Yahoo Sports' Ball Don't Lie and as well as yes. uh, NBC's Pro Basketball Talk was after the game, you know, the Spurs went to this this hack of JaVale uh, where they, they sent JaVale in the third quarter to the foul line uh, five straight times where they were just intentionally fouling him. And he went and hit down four of those ten shots and – 
you know, a lot of people would probably think in that situation, oh, it's because JaVale's such a bad free throw shooter, they're just trying to get the lead back, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, it's typically what it is, but even though JaVale's only shooting, you know, just under 60% for the season, he's not like a horrible, horrible free throw shooter. He's not that bad, and he can have nights where he's actually really good. He did just go four for 10, so it's like, man, he was only 40%, so it worked, right? But it was like the Nuggets were just running them in that third quarter. Like every every chance they got, the Nuggets were turning things into a fast break, and it seemed like the Spurs were trying to slow Denver down by going to that strategy. You know, it didn't seem like it was because they thought JaVale was a bad free throw shooter. It was because if they didn't do that, the Nuggets were going to be up by 30 because they were just running these guys out of the gym. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we do the post-game interview and I asked Popovich that question. I was like, was, you know, was your guys' strategy there the uh, fouling JaVale McGee? Was that more about slowing down, you know, what the Nuggets are doing offensively at that point? And, you know, Popovich responded and said, "Yeah, the Nuggets were scoring every time, uh, and we're uh, and we were running out of gas, running out of energy. So we figured if we could go up and down a few times and not even have to play any defense, it might put some fuel back in the tank, and it did. During that period, we couldn't knock down a couple of threes, and it the lead stayed at nine, ten, or eleven, whatever. We couldn't get below it, the double digit lead, because we couldn't make a shot. But it gave us a little bit of rest and helped us stay in it." So that part, that little section got picked up because it was kind of, you know, JaVale McGee is kind of that player that a lot of people like to, you know, poke fun at or whatever for his antics on the court. And that kind of got picked up by sites because it was a unique thing. The hack of JaVale and the Spurs are known for doing that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like you asked the question as a result of actually watching the game and, you know, and analyzing it in a way that you do as opposed to some other people who just go in there and ask questions like, Hey, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about the game? You know what I mean? And, and it's like you're getting good stuff out of that. So good job. I mean, without question, and I've said this many, many times, there's nobody that covers the Nuggets specifically as well as you do and and, and, and Jeff and, and, and Andy as well. And, and I know you got a, another guy on there. Colin, Colin Nielsen. Yeah, Colin yeah. Nielsen. You guys actually watch the game and cover it and analyze it in a way that is pretty rare, I think, as far as people that people that uh, you know cover it. I mean, even Benjamin Hawkman, who is a guy who I'm a big fan of and I love reading his stuff. Even he he doesn't have the liberty that you do uh, to go into that room and talk about this because guess what? Ben, Benjamin Hawkman works for the Denver Post, and he I believe that he is limited a bit about what he can do and what he can say. And, and I, you know, but I think you guys do it a much in a much better way. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I I hear what he like. I think he faces limitations as far as you know having to write on a deadline, which is incredibly difficult. I mean, I know just after the game too, just watching him like when while we're after Popovich and then waiting for George Carl to do his post game. You know, Ben's furiously on his laptop trying to get his story done so he can turn in on deadline, which is coming up in like five or six minutes for him. So he's working at this furious pace and trying to get like the biggest meat of the story to where guys like me can kind of come in and take a step back and take my time a little bit. You know, I stayed down at Pepsi Center in the media room and I write until, I don't know, the time the game got over last night, like sometime between 10 and 10 15 and I was down there until about 11 30 like writing you know so I have that leeway to be able to dig in a little bit deeper because I'm not on a deadline and I can kind of 
take a broader look at the game to where he's, you know, on this deadline and trying to get the big meat of the story and figure out the, the most important part to get into the paper. So it's, it's a different style. And I would like to see, you know, maybe what some of those guys could do if they had like more leeway. Cause I'm sure it would be, I'm sure you'd get some great stuff as well. Yeah. And a lot of that sense. comes into the fact that there's not a lot of competition for the post and the post kind of, the post pretty much dominates, you know, obviously it dominates the newspaper stuff, you know, but I've always said that, that the the future is everything about blogs and independent stuff like this podcast. And now let me ask you another question. Now, Last week the Nuggets were what twelve and twelve or eleven and eleven, and the week before that they were nine and nine, right? The Nuggets can now a week later have continued to win at home, yet they haven't had a home stand to speak of. Yeah, somebody said uh, today on Stiffs. They said I'm enjoying watching the Nuggets on this home stand, and I thought, how funny is it that the Nuggets play the Grizzlies at home? Uh, play the Grizzlies at home. They go on the road their next game. Uh, against Sacramento, and then they come back and play at home, and we're considering that a homestand. Yes, yeah, and they they've only <laughs> two lost, out of three at home. They've only lost one game, right? Still, yeah, home, still the home. Nuggets, uh, the Heat game. They have the uh, yeah that Heat game where the Heat were on the second of a back to back, but the Nuggets are seven and one at home, and the only other team that has one home loss is the New York Knicks, are eleven and one. Now my question is this, and and this is. Everybody seems to be discussing about the injustice of the Nuggets' early season schedule and how this is absolutely ridiculous and how we can't – how can you – hey, David Stern, how can you put the Nuggets in this situation? And I keep thinking to myself, as you've mentioned many times, 41 and 41, why isn't this a great thing? Why isn't this great that so many of these road games are out of the way early and the Nuggets are still like 500 on the road, something like that? Uh, there's 7 and 11 on the road. So, I mean, right. not okay. terrible so, not, so far. Not 500, but 7 and 11. And, and uh, maybe you want to, by the end of the season, be around 500 on the road. But if the Nuggets finish this season, and again, we don't want to talk about full season stuff and, and where they'd be in the playoffs, but. Let's say, you know, 7 and 11. Okay, so that's, you know, a little under 70%. It's like 60, I don't know, 7%, right, on the road. If they finish 67%, let's just say, right, on the road, and then they finish, uh, what, 7 and 1, so that's well over 90% at home. Yeah. I mean, this could be like the best record in the NBA type stuff. And do you think that uh, that this is what we've seen so far is something that we can expect through the, for the Nuggets the rest of the season? Well, it's funny. You, I mean, we were just talking about the Broncos, and I think I've compared this before. You know, you, oh, you compare to, everything, everything with the Broncos to Broncos, the Nuggets. Nuggets. <laughs> but look at the Broncos. They started the season. They dropped some games here and there. It took them a while to figure out their identity, who they were, you know, this and that. And even the the Nuggets have talked about it. You know, even Andre Iguodala was like, he was saying uh, at the last home game against Memphis, he was like, you know, I thought that I was going to understand this offense. Like George told me, it's going to take you until January to figure this out. And I told George, I'll get it in November. No problem. He's like, no, it's looking more like January. Like I'm starting to get comfortable here a little bit, you know, but it's, it's a thing where I think you had a great point. I mean, you start on the road, you play those, that, 
horrific stretch. You know, kind of a dirty little secret. The Spurs have only played one less road game than the Nuggets. The Nuggets have played uh, 18 on the road. The Spurs have played 17 on the road. And the Spurs are 11 and 6, but they have that chemistry. They have, you know, a, a, they've been playing with each other for a long time. That sounds funny. Um, <laughs> but. You know the Nuggets. I think it was. I think it was good for them to play a lot of road games early because you are out on the road just together. You're isolated. You're staying in hotels together. You're getting to know one another, whatever. And you're facing this adversity, and people are kind of down on you, and you're probably harder on yourself because you're like, we are losing these games, and maybe it does build character, right? Hopefully, if anything builds character in pro sports, hopefully that's it. You know, facing some adversity early in the season, and then. You know, showing that you are a good team at home and, you know, given, you know, some teams are pounding at home. Like, I mean, they beat Memphis, they've beaten San Antonio at home, and those are seven two of the top four teams. at home. Seven and okay. one. Okay, so what's the record on the road? Seven and 11, 14 and 12 overall. 14 and 12 overall. And they've gotten their point differential and, now. Wait, so how are they seven and – oh, I see what you mean. Seven wins, eleven losses on the road. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. but you know the other when we had Jeff in here, we talked about the point differential being at zero, right? And you're like, it's exactly zero. That's weird. Yeah, but you know what? That's all bullcrap, right? I don't think I explained how that's bullcrap then. Well, well enough because point differential means nothing. Yeah, we we said that there, but I mean, it's it's also it does it does mean a little bit. Like the Knicks have the best point differential in the East, and they're the one seed right now. The Nuggets have, you know, they're finally at a positive on point differential. So if you are a stat guy that does believe in that, the Nuggets are at least in the positive now. So, I mean, you can hang your hat a little bit on that if you're a stat guy. Okay. All right. I see that. So what do you think? You you feeling good about this team this year? This year? I feel pretty – I'm feeling better about the team. Like, we've been talking a lot about trades on Denver Stiffs, and I wrote a massive piece as part of a a group-wide effort about trade talk. And it's, it's kind of funny because when a guy has a bad night, we hear a lot of stuff about trade him. You know, if Gallinari doesn't shoot well, trade him. Get rid of him. He's a bum. He can't stay healthy. Trade him. How are you going to trade Gallinari? Well, it's, it's just funny. Gallinari is the only hope we have. <laughs> and then when he has and a, I believe that. And then when he has a good game or if I propose a trade of Gallinari, I always hear you know, if he has a good game, it's like he was fantastic. And then if I propose a trade of Gallinari, people are like, we're not getting enough value. You can't trade him for that. Keep Gallinari. What are you talking about? It's like, I thought you guys were just saying to trade him last <laughs> night. Like, but now when it comes down to actually maybe trading him, like a real proposed deal that – well, not a real deal, but a proposed deal that my you know uh, goofy self has come up with. Everybody's like, no, we don't want that. So it's like it's going to be interesting to watch these guys grow because there is that there is that belief with the team of they can be better and they can get better. Just how much better can they get? I don't know. I mean, I think they could – Oh, you know. you got to know. I like them. I think they're – I think defensive. I think the biggest thing with this team is defensively. I think they could be pretty scary good because of because of Gallinari and because of Andre Iguodala. Those guys defensively are doing very very well against the opposition's wings. So so what about Ty Lawson? Are, are we? Are, are, I mean, all I hear about him and is late turnovers, uh, under under. Uh, he's not living up to his potential. Yeah, and that's not thus far, and there's kind of a question about that. You know, is he going to be kind of just a, you know, a, an above-average point no, no, no. guard? What do you think? Don't ask me about the question. Don't tell me about the, the, the overwhelming perception. questions about yeah. him. Tell me about what you think about Ty Lawson. That's what everybody wants to hear, Nate Timmons. Nobody wants to hear your normal 
Everything's he be, great. He could be this or that. <laughs> I think Ty Lawson is – man, he's, he's a tough one to crack. He's a guy that I think that he can't be the Nuggets' best player. He's, he's never going to be the Nuggets' best player. So what, what does that mean? I think he can be – I think the Nuggets could win a title with Ty Lawson on the team, but he's got to be your third option on offense. You have to have two guys that are better than him offensively. But that doesn't mean that he's not an important part of the offense and that he's not driving the offense. But we've talked about it on here. Your point guard is typically – when has your point guard been your best player? Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons uh, when they won championship. Magic, Magic Johnson, Johnson with the I mean, Lakers oh, when on. they won championships. You're going back over 20 years here. Recent. No point guard has ever been the best player. Look at Tony Parker, baby. Look at Manny Ginobili, maybe. You know, look at Steve Nash, maybe. And Steve but Nash these guys are the never, never the best players. So, I mean, I, I don't think that we should hold Ty Lawson up to be the franchise guy because he's not the franchise guy. And the Nuggets. But let me ask you this, okay. What do you put him at then? If, if you don't want him to be the franchise guy, is it all for not? I mean, is it all Ty Lawson or nothing? I mean, does he have the ability to be like a uh, 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 a Tony Parker, like a, a Steve Nash, like a Manu Ginobili? Does he even have that in him at all? I mean, all? Steve, Steve Nash I mean, is a back-to-back NBA MVP, so well, no, well, I don't, well, I don't Yeah, think but so. he was never the main player on those teams, right? I mean, Ty Lawson has exhibited even very recently that he can't be trusted with the ball late in games. And I'm not suggesting that Ty Lawson needs to be the focal point of the Nuggets, but he absolutely has to be the guy that you can trust with the ball trust towards with, yeah. the end of the game. And it's, he absolutely has proven not to be that. I don't know if it's nerves or if it's talent, but you can't trust him Well, it just seems all, crazy right? because last year he was that. I mean, he hit game-winning shots last year for the team, and he was the guy that you were like, why don't they give him the ball late? He's fantastic every time they give it to him. And this season, it's like, yeah, all these turnovers. You don't even it's want like him a, to have the ball to pass it at this point. Yeah, last I mean, you night, don't even last want, night late, he ran a pick and roll with Gallinari, and he turned it over to Patty Mills. And it was, you know, they're saying that maybe that was a kick ball, but it was like another one, like another turnover here late. But I'm not, I'm not that worried about. He doesn't it. have the court awareness. He doesn't have the presence. He doesn't have the leadership to be. And I'm not saying that he has to be the guy that that the Nuggets. Uh, are rallying upon it. And I'm not saying Ty Lawson needs to carry the success of the team on his shoulders, but he needs to be trustworthy, and he needs to be able to be trusted in these situations where, you know what, we need to get it to Ginobili. And guess what? We don't necessarily have the ability on an inbounds play to get it to Ginobili directly. So let's, you know what, maybe we have a point guard who's, who's, who's trustworthy enough to get it from the inbounds to Ginobili or Let's to Ty Lawson to Ginobili. talking about Ginobili. I mean, excuse me, Gallinari. Oh, I thought you were just using the Spurs as the. Yeah, end. I apologize. <laughs> but, yeah, all these Spanish Italian guys. But you're right. But my point is, you understand my point. Yeah, I hear what you're saying for sure. And it's, Take everything I said about Ginobili and put in Gallinari's. Put but, yeah, you have, to have, <laughs> you have to have that point guard where if you give him the ball with, you know, 10 seconds left on the clock that you know he's either going to – make the shot for you, which he either does or does not have to do, whatever gets John up, but he absolutely has to be able to either make the shot 
or get the ball to the guy that's going to take the shot. Actually, he, he all you need him to do is not over. turn it over. Yeah. All you need him to do is not turn it over. He needs to make the shot or make the pass, but one thing's to, for damn sure. To you can't turn it over. To Ginobili. <laughs> yeah. Don't pass to Ginobili. <laughs> a, a former free agent that the Nuggets failed to sign once upon a time. But This reminds me of when I was going on and on and on about the difference between the movie The Fighter and The Wrestler or, or, or something like that. The Fighter and Fighter Warrior. Fighter and Warrior, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole tangent there, but yeah, I don't know. I like Ty Lawson too. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a funny guy, and he's you know he seems like a great teammate. You know, in the hey, locker this room. Hey, Ty Lawson. Listen to Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but he's I mean he's he's good. So it's hard to you know you can't not everybody can be a Kobe Bryant mentality where the only thing they're concerned about is winning Again, basketball that's my games. Thing, is I'm not even asking Ty Lawson to be Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and you, I'm just asking Ty yeah. Lawson to be. Ty Lawson and be the Ty Lawson that we're kind of used to. to. Yeah. He seems to be kind of like a loose cannon. Like we can't, we can't trust him. Right. But he wasn't that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he can get back to being the guy that that the Nuggets can trust late in games. Even though people are going to doubt him for the rest of the His season because of what wishes he's done. and candy and nuts and wishes and butts, then every day would be Christmas. I like the one from uh, was it Grumpy Old Men. You can wish in one hand and crap in the other and see, <laughs> see which, which one fills, fills faster. <laughs> oh, uh, good deal. Great stuff. So we're we're deep here, man. We got to get out of here. Dude, come on. I've, I've been trying to get out of here for a while. I just oh. kept talking about Ginobili for 20 minutes <laughs> thinking that people would turn off the show. Manu! <laughs> He's going bald, by the way. Bad. Going, has gone. Has gone, yeah. is, was. Hey, bro, you know what? Listen, if you're going bald, just go do it classy, like Clyde Drexler did and yeah. Michael Jordan. I don't even, shave it off. You don't even have to do the, the big shave, you know? I mean, just get the, the one. Like uh, Brent Berry? <laughs> yeah. Or Rick Berry or something? Yeah. Or one of John the Berry. One of the Berries? <laughs> yeah. Not the dad who wore a wig and not... <laughs> Not uh, former Nuggets draft pick that they traded for Antonio McDice, Brent. Not like LeBron James who's going bald, but still. And the other thing with Brent, that's Tony Parker who's sleeping with Brent's wife. What? She didn't like whatever haircut he had, I guess. What? Yeah, that was a whole deal behind the Evil Longoria, uh, Tony Parker breakup. Tony was uh, told Brent Berry's (laughs) (laughs) means wife. (laughs) That's good. Hey, uh, by the way, no, uh, uh, no uh, uh, gamblers on the storm this week, right? Let's do it all uh, tomorrow. What? Tomorrow's Thursday, man. I'll come know, back. Man. Back again two nights in a row? All right, we'll talk about it. Yeah, it sounds good to me. All right, uh, what was this, so episode 80-something? No idea. Good luck, folks. No uh, could be Eddie Max 87. Could be a little bit less. We could be going with Ron Bernstein's 82. Did he wear 82? Who knows? Manu Ginobili, Gallinari, what's the difference? Doesn't matter. We'll see you guys on Thursday for a little Gamblers on the Storm.